down the Via Dolorosa in Jerusalem that day. The soldiers tried to clear the narrow street, but the crowd pressed in to see a man condemned to die on Calvary. He was bleeding from a beating, there were stripes upon his back. And he wore a crown of thorns upon his head. And he bore with every step the scorn of those who cried out for his death. Down the Via Dolorosa called the way of suffering. Like a lamb came the Messiah, Christ the King. But he chose to walk that road out of his love for you and me. Down the Via Dolorosa, all the way to Calvary. Por la Via Dolorosa, triste día en Jerusalem. Los soldados y abren paso a Jesús. Mas la gente se acercaba para ver que llevaba que a cruz. Por la Via Dolorosa, que es la Via del Dolor. Como vea, vino Cristo, Rey Señor. Y fue el que quiso ir por su amor, por ti, por mí. Por la vía dolorosa al Calvario y a morir. The blood that would cleanse the souls of all men made its way through the heart of Jerusalem. Down the Via Dolorosa, called the way of suffering, like a lamb came the Messiah, Christ the King. But he chose that road out of his love for you and me down the Via Dolorosa all the way to Calvary Thank you very much, Julie. That was beautiful. Well, happy Easter, everyone.
Now, um, Easter or Resurrection Day has different meaning and significance to many people. Around the world, it has a multitude of traditions, but ultimately, it is the day that celebrates hope because of hope. We know it because of the, we're celebrating the resurrection of Christ. It's interesting when you look at different traditions around the world of, of the, the beatings that people take um, in memory of what Jesus did. That's all I'll say. I don't think it's necessary. I don't know how many of you beat yourself before you came. I, I think we have way better traditions, and uh, I think it's a better celebration because we're celebrating hope of the resurrection. I looked real quick to, to see what, what hope is. First of all, I thought it was interesting. I saw in the headlines, which I do not look at very often, but I said I'm going to look at it today just to kind of see what's going on around the world with Easter. And I thought this was great because it was a quote by Pope Francis, who I most certainly don't agree with everything he says or does, but I agree wholeheartedly with this. And he said this in his Easter speech. He said, risen Christ is hope that does not disappoint. Amen to that. That's so true. I looked up what a definition of hope is, and it's defined in Webster's Dictionary this way, to have confidence or trust to expect. Baker's Bible Dictionary gives us a, a little further explanation of that as it, as it defines the hope that we have as Christians this way. It says to trust in, wait for, look for, or desire something or someone, or to expect something beneficial in the future. That's hope. That's the hope of Easter. Each of the four Gospels has a, it tells the story of the, of the Easter resurrection. Um, there's so many different things in the Gospels, and some of them repeat what others say, but that's, that's one story that is the same in every, I mean, it's, it's in, every, in every Gospel. The chronology is recorded just a little bit different, but um, no matter what, the facts are all the same. I want to just read part of one of those, uh, one of those um, stories and just um, a, a little chronology of it and just a short part of it, taken from Matthew chapter 28. And then gonna, as, as we go through, I'm going to kind of hit all of them. I'm going to refer to different things. But just understand that if you, if you wonder, just go to the back of each of the Gospels. It's basically the last chapter um, of every chapter, and this, and this story is there. I'm just going to read this part of this story out of, out of Matthew 28, starting at verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you in Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Let's just open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful, not just for this day, but what this day represents. And it, and it represents to us the hope of the future as Christians. A hope because Jesus Christ did rise from the dead. He ascended and he's coming back again for us. And Lord, because of his death on the cross, the sacrifice, we have a hope for salvation. 
we just place our trust in you. We just want to pray today that as we celebrate together, as we look at your word, look at this story and that we're for the most part familiar with, I just pray that you would impact each one of us, that the Holy Spirit would be present in a great way to impact us with the truth and the story of what's going on here. Thank you so much, Jesus. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for what we have. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It was daylight that was less than an hour away. Mary Magdalene can just take it no longer. She has to do something. What she wants is just a few minutes alone to talk, even if it's just to the body of Jesus. To tell him goodbye in peace without a lot of commotion going on around. And so along with some other women, she walks through the darkness, carrying embalming spices, intent on properly preparing Christ for burial. Knowing that the stone is some five feet tall and the tomb is sealed, the women ask the obvious, who will roll away the stone? But something is wrong when they get there. Or at least it's out of place. In the darkness, they can just make it out. The seal appears to be broken. The iron spike that had held the stone is snapped and the massive stone that was covering the entrance of the tomb is rolled away. The guards who were supposed to be guarding everything were still there, but they appeared as dead men. I take it from that that they were probably just laying in there, eyes straight, straight ahead, wide open, just as it said, like dead men. In eerie quiet, blankets the garden where they're at. Mary Magdalene can see into the tomb, and her, fear, and her fear turns into truth as she can't see the body of Jesus as she should be able to. Trembling with anxiety, she can't even breathe. The body is gone. Obviously, someone has stolen the body of Jesus. In Matthew, the account we just read of the entombing of Jesus, he states a severe earthquake had occurred. And then he adds, an angel of the Lord rolled away the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes white as snow. Get that picture. Matthew also tells us that when the guards saw the angel, as I've mentioned, they were so frightened that they became like dead men. Apparently the guards were still there. Another account of the story tells how the, how the guards had left. But apparently they were still at this point, there at this point. Incredibly, they were incapacitated from their great fear of the angel. Each account of the resurrection has a little different chronology, as I mentioned, but the facts are all the same. In my imagine, here's the picture. Several women, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of, G, of, of James, Joanna, and apparently some others, depending on the, on the story, approach the tomb and see an angel who appears like lightning, dressed in pure white, sitting on the stone, dangling and swinging his legs and feet. Nearby are the guards laying face up in cold shock, but they're still there. Maybe, maybe some of them have already run off. And the angel speaks to the ladies. Morning, ladies. Don't be afraid. Looking for Jesus who was crucified? Well, he is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. Don't let those words escape you from that the angel said, as he said. It's talking about Jesus predicted this, meaning it happened exactly as he said it would. It's, it's huge. 
Imagine some of the fear that is running through Mary Magdalene's mind. She hasn't quite put it all together. All of this is such a shock to her. She has many others, including the disciples, had placed all their trust, in, in fact, their whole being on the fact that Jesus was the prophesied Messiah, and yet he had been killed in a brutal way, dashing their hopes and dreams. It's not every day she, she talks to a being sparkling like the sun, giving her a strange message of the dead rising. Sure, she understood resurrection because she'd seen Jesus rise the dead many times himself. But then he himself was killed. Did he really have the power that she thought he had? Also understand this, that Mary Magdalene, who the Gospels tell us earlier, is described this way, that she was one who had been relieved of seven demons. As Jesus was crucified and, her every, and, and hers and everyone else's hopes were dashed, did it run through her mind, and I'm just speculating here, but it, did it run through her mind that maybe Jesus didn't have as much power as she thought and those demons were going to come back? She, she knows what it was like when Jesus said to the demons, go. She felt the resistance and heard the screams as they left. And, when, and then, there was this, then she was a totally changed person. We can take that just from every time Jesus cast out demons. That's pretty much what happened. Imagine how it was with seven. In another story where Jesus spoke and legions came out. But Mary knew this. She was a changed person because of it. She always felt safe with Jesus alive. But now he was dead. If he couldn't save himself, was she now unsafe from those demons returning? Was her deliverance only temporary? What torment now awaits her? Not sure if she can believe what the angel has told her and, and needing to see for, for herself, she pokes her head into the tomb and to her surprise, two more angels are sitting there, one on either end of where Jesus had lain. One of those angels speaks, reiterating what the angel outside had just told her by asking, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. That's twice they've said that. The mental picture of dead Jesus had to have entered Mary's minds, entered her mind. So beaten, he was unrecognizable. She saw him bruised, beaten, bloody, blue lips of death. But they said living. How could this be? Could it be true? In fact, it's far too good to be true. So she starts to let her hope rise, but quickly pushes it back down. She says, I can't do that because I saw him dead. She can't think like that. She had hoped before, and then she saw him crucified. She, had, she no longer had hope. But what if, she thought, no, I'm not going to let myself think, go there. My life has been so full of disappointment, and I'm not going to be a sucker this time. However, the glowing man continues. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of the sinful men and be crucified, and the third day he'll rise again. Mary can't help but look at her fingers and count really quick. It's three days. Mark in his gospel records the conversation this way. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell the disciples and Peter, and he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Somewhere in the fog, Mary remembers the words of Jesus, just as the angel had said. Did she dare have hope, though?
Why was Peter singled out? We've got to ask ourselves that. Was it just another cruel joke that, that God was playing? I mean, here he is singling out the guy who, of all people, denied even knowing Jesus. I can imagine that not far away, Peter is sitting on a rock looking over the tomb area, frustrated, not only with life's situation right now, but frustrated with himself. He's twirling his sword by the hilt with a point in the dirt. It's the same sword, by the way, that he used to cut off a servant's ear. So he thought, now I've got this stupid sword. I really don't even know how to use it very well. But what does it matter? I totally let Jesus down. I was not able to save him. And then I went and denied my best friend that I even knew him. All he can hear right now are the, are the screams of pain echoing in his head from two nights ago as Jesus was tortured and crucified. And the pictures that went along with that, he couldn't get it out of his mind. Peter, just as Mary Magdalene, is brokenhearted. A bubbling mixture of pain, disappointment, anger, and rage welling up inside of him. Jesus was unjustly arrested. A fake trial was played out. He was stripped, beaten, and tortured, and ultimately hung on a cross where he was crucified. Soldiers stood by and mocked him as they laughed and gambled for his clothes while he was screaming out in pain. And then he died. And he died. This is, our, this is supposed to be the Messiah, the one who is coming to rescue us. Why didn't Jesus do something about it? He could raise the dead, he could heal the sick, give sight to the blind, make the lame to walk. He could do all that, but he couldn't save himself. He had spoken so many times of his life-giving words, but now those words were dead, just like he was. To make matters even worse, as Peter sat there, he could hear the unmistakable crowing of a rooster in the distance, reminding him that he himself had let his friend and Lord down by denying that he even knew him. Not only once, but three times. Stupid rooster, Peter said. And he grabbed his sword. He says, I'm going to have fried chicken for dinner tonight. For Mary Magdalene, after talking with the angels, the unbelievable of unbelievable things happen. The women run into a man who they think is the gardener. And still with questions of doubt and disappointment in her mind, Mary Magdalene questions the gardener. Please, sir. If you have carried him away, tell me where he is so I can get him. It's Jesus, though. And Jesus speaks out Mary's name with a big smile. And that's all he said is Mary. And she instantly recognized him. She cries out, teacher. And then grabs him as I, as I can picture. As it says she grabbed him and wouldn't let go of him. It's like I, I picture a monkey grabbing a tree. Still filled with questions and wonder, but now the hope has returned. It's just like he said, on the third day, I will rise from the dead. And then Jesus says to her, go and tell the disciples. Mary Magdalene, Mary, and the other women with her, hike up their dresses and bolt for town as fast as they can. They cannot believe what they just encountered. This was Jesus, and he apparently was alive. They find the disciples, spell out the story of going to the tomb, the stone being rolled away, the dead-like soldiers, the angels, empty tombs, and then more about the angels' messages, and then about seeing Jesus in person, and even touching and hugging him. 
But scripture tells us that when the disciples didn't believe them, they, they and it even goes farther than that, but it's because the words seemed like nonsense. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it seem like nonsense if you saw Jesus Christ crucified in the way he was, and then someone tell you he actually is alive? And it couldn't be. I saw him. I saw him bleed out all of his blood. I saw them take him down off that cross, blue and, and beginning to, to be hit with rigor mortis. Somebody had to close his eyes like they do in death because he was dead. They watched him be put in the tomb. They watched the stone be rolled up and sealed. They watched as the guard stood guard watching to make sure that nobody could come. So of course it seemed like nonsense. But even in unbelief, scripture tells us that Peter ran off to the tomb to see for himself. John in his gospel tells the story this way, that both he, and, um, that both he John, and Peter ran for the tomb, and that in fact John outran Peter to get there. And when they saw the empty grave clothes, they believed, but still it seemed impossible. The story of, of Jesus and his life and then to his crucifixion and resurrection is a story of hope to despair to hope returned. The words of, of Pope Francis are exactly true, is that the risen Christ is the hope. It's not just the words of, of Pope Francis, it's the words of the word of God. It's the words that all of us can say, we can live out and we can, and we can speak of. In fact, for Mary Magdalene, it's a story of despair when she had seven demons which turned to hope when she was relieved of the demons. So her despair turned to hope because of the miracle Jesus, but then her hope turned to despair because he was crucified. But once again, her despair returns to hope because she had encountered the living savior. For Peter, full of himself and self-confidence, he had signs of hope, but then he had denied even knowing his friend and Lord. And so he became full of despair. He determined it would be different from then on, but then his worst fears happened. Jesus was crucified. And then he saw him dead. But if that were true, that Jesus were alive when his despair could, be, could become hope. And it did become hope as he saw Jesus briefly in person when he walked through the walls of the house where all the disciples were. And then later on on the beach as he shared a meal with Jesus. As Jesus did one more miracle of, of a catch of fish for Peter and his partners. It was true. Jesus was alive. He had resurrected. Peter's own despair had turned to hope with the resurrection of Jesus. The very same truth is true for each of us today, as it was for all the other disciples and many others who had seen him and witnessed his death, burial, and now his resurrection. Despair to hope because of a living Savior. Here's the message for all of us. It's just a simple message on Easter, and this is it. There is great hope because of Jesus, because it was just as he said, I must be killed, but on the third day will come up to life again, from Matthew 16, where Jesus said that. John 16 gives us this well-known verse. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
That's the hope we have. He lived a perfect life. He died a sinner's death as the sacrifice for sin. He rose from the dead, conquering the grip of death. Get this. He is alive. An old tradition as Christians could, um, as they would greet each other, it was, it was this. One would say to the other, he is alive. The, re- the response would then be from someone else, he is indeed. So, so let's just say that together, okay? He is alive. He is indeed. You know, we're going to, we, we have this privilege today, and it, um, it just happens to be the first Sunday of the month, and so we're doing communion. But boy, what a perfect day to be celebrating communion. And so I, as, we, as we go here, it's like I said, it's a simple message, it's a, but such truth. And this is why we can celebrate communion with such joy and victory. Because it's not just something we're going to be doing in, in remembrance of what Jesus did. It's, it's in the great salvation we have. It's not just in remembrance, in the fact. It's understanding and going, wow. We can have salvation through Jesus Christ because of what he did. I've, I've been listening through the, the Old Testament, through the Bible, and I'm in the Old Testament. My word, I'm still in, in the Pentateuch. Just got done. Thank you, Jesus, for being done with Leviticus and Numbers. <laughs> I'm telling you what, when I, every time I, I read that stuff and I read all these laws and everything that I predict doing, my eyes are just spinning. And I'll tell you what, when I, I just always have to ask myself, what good is this doing for me to read this? I'll tell you what good it does. It's because you can just go, thank you, Jesus, <laughs> that I don't have to do all that stuff. And that was the whole point of it, was, was the laws were just to point out, you can't be right before God. And later on, Jesus said, I abolish all of that stuff because here I am, the perfect lamb being sacrificed once for all. Um, He is declared as, I am your high priest. I am the one you come to now for forgiveness. Not bashing any other religion, but I'm telling you something, guys. It's Jesus that you go to. It's not another person to get to God. We have the the ability to go to God ourselves, And and that's why we're celebrating communion. Because what a boy, what a great celebration it is. Let's... um, I'm just going to ask if, uh, if a couple of the guys would come up and just help me with that or pass out, um, pass out the elements.